0: This morning I'm going to read uh, from Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16 through the end of the chapter. And it seemed good to me uh, that we spend two weeks on this section as we consider the battle that is going on between the spirit in us and the the desires of the flesh and the misbehavior that so easily uh, traps us. And so we're going to be looking somewhat on the negative side today, the battle that we're engaged in, and then the fruit of the Spirit uh, next week. Um, but in, even in this battle, there is very good news. Very, very good news to each of us. This is God's Word, um, Galatians chapter 6, 5, beginning at verse 16. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. But those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's again bow in prayer. Spirit, make your word a swift word today, passing from the ear to the heart and from the heart to the lip and conversation. That as the rain returns not empty, so neither may your word, but accomplish that for which it is given. Amen. We think of this phrase from Richard Sibbs, Entertain the Spirit entertain the Spirit. What is he getting at? There is a welcoming in our heart of the presence of the Spirit. Uh, There is a a nurturing of a friendship, our friendship with the Spirit and with the Father and the Son through the Spirit. For it is through the Spirit that the Father and the Son for all time, for all time, uh, had relationship of love and mutual care. And now it is the ministry of the Spirit knitting our hearts to the triune God. Sib said this, Nothing in this world is so great and sweet a friend and will do as much good as the Holy Spirit if we entertain Him. He knits our hearts. We look to Him. Uh, To enable us to see, behold, to marvel, to love and to obey the triune God. However, it is not all sweetness and light. Entertaining the spirit also increases spiritual conflict. Our life in Christ brings us into a conflict between the flesh and the spirit. The Spirit wrestles, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit wrestles against our flesh. And our fleshly desires are at a continual war with the Spirit. The flesh, of course, is that which is inherited from Adam, that we receive by birth. It is natural to us. It is from the womb until the tomb. J. B. Phillips identifies this as the lower nature. Have you ever seen your lower nature in action? Uh, it was struck to me. With, to me just, I'm thinking about this sermon, and I'm driving down the road. Okay, and, and someone someone veers really close in front of me, and 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 man, came just a bit from hitting him, and and the words that begin to form on my mouth. That's The ongoing fight of the flesh. I don't know if anyone else has experienced those kinds of things. See, I'm hearing some amen. Well, there it is. But however, we have the Spirit given a new birth and the new nature of the Spirit. And we may say with confidence, we are of the age of the Spirit. There is conflict, yes, but we're of the age of the Spirit. Our our confession says there is a continual and irreconcilable war. A war we're familiar with. It is fierce and it is unrelenting. And did you hear it in Bernard's prayer? An 800-year-old prayer and the battle continues. Verses 16 and 17 of this text remind us so much Well, I'll ask you to say what text in your mind comes to mind as I read these two verses. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you truly want to do. What text is that? A miniature of. Anyone? Romans 7. It's Romans 7 squished down to one verse. It's in in, in verse 17. Desires. Romans 7 speaks of desires that you really don't want. And acts that you really don't want to do. And still, through Galatians, there is there is a teaching that runs like a steel cable right through these chapters. It's strong enough to support your weight. And that is that the rule of sin has in fact been broken. That it no longer does control you no matter how it feels at times. The internal war doesn't stop. Um, But as you entertain the spirit as you entertain the Spirit, you find that you are no longer a victim, you are no longer under the control of sin. And our purpose this morning is a pretty big one. And that is that you and I would grow in familiarity, in ability to live by the Spirit in your battle and mine, to live by the Spirit, to entertain the Spirit in your battle and mine. To do that, we're going to look at, first of all, at, at, at it's important to identify your battles. And then secondly, it's important to understand your battles. Let's just stop start with that. Identify your battles and then understand them more clearly so that you can fight them more appropriately. Identify your battles. These are the works of the flesh. Interesting, when we think about works of the flesh, when we think about epithemia, when we think about lust, we traditionally just settle on the sexual. That's only a part of this. There are three other categories that are Paul mentions, and then he says in a sweeping phrase, and things like this, lots of them, Battles against the flesh and the lust of the flesh that we have are as vast as life itself. Identify your battles. Jerome puts it interestingly here. Uh, Notice notice the text says, uh, 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 the works of the flesh are evident. We we see that in in verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident. Jerome said, they're familiar enough. We don't really need to detail them. (laughs) And they are obvious and they're plain to see. But there are four categories here. The first is sexual. And, and the first, the first uh, battleground in this area of sexuality is, is immorality, porneia. And that means, or that, that refers to fornication. Uh, that is, uh, people having sex when they're not married. But it also includes people having sex with the wrong person when they are married. It is sex outside God's beautiful provision and we can sniff out the word pornography in that greek word pornia the second is impurity that's indecency that's unnatural sex that's a perversion of god's beautiful gift of sex Immor- immorality impurity sensuality <laughs> sensuality would be a contempt for any restraint I want to do exactly what I want to do. you know what the biggest sexual sin in our culture is today? The biggest sexual sin is not doing whatever you want to sexually. That's the worst thing you can do, is oppress yourself or allow yourself to be oppressed by these ancient rules of a frowning deity. No boundaries. That's sensuality. Jesus, remember in our reading earlier, said it's not just what you do, it's what you imagine. Sexual things, but also religious and spiritual things. This is a brazen brazen worship of false gods, of toying with powers of darkness. I don't know whether you've ever played around with a Ouija board. Um, I haven't known people who have, Uh, people who, who even Christians, who read the the, uh, uh, astrology details and find out what kind of day they're going to have or what kind of life they're going to have. That is toying with the powers of darkness. And it is really a rejection of God who is both sovereign and good. Relational sins, verse 20, enmity and strife. That is hatred that produces quarrels. Hatred that that, uh, therefore disrupts peace. Jealousy and envy. A lust for three Ps. A position, power, or possessions. You are content with what you have. Most of you, I suggest, are content with what you have until you consider the other person who has more. That's jealousy. Jealousy. That's envy. Augustine. Augustine was doing just fine until there was this this uh, impression that was made on him. His brother had just be- brother in Christ. His brother in Christ had just become a bishop, and that sort of set Augustine into a, a, a vortex. It's what you don't have when others do is the issue. There fits of anger. You lose your temper. You lash out. You lash out when you don't get what you want. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. Young ladies, and I'll address you guys as well in this. Girls, little girls, as you're looking ahead, ahead to marriage, if the Lord may lead you in that direction, this is, what, this is one thing I want you never, ever to forget. Um, you take good note of how that guy handles himself and you when he doesn't get what he wants? Does he become abusive verbally or physically? Does he manipulate when he doesn't get what he wants? Stay away. Don't even think twice. Stay away. Rivalries. Dissensions. Divisions. Paul goes on to say here, uh, these uh, these uh, Paul was. We remember whom Paul was addressing in Corinth. The the divisions there. Some were saying, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Stephen. I follow Jesus. It is grievous when unrest, especially the unrest that the world is so good at, invades and intrudes on the church. And then, and then fourthly, what I'll, I'm calling partying. Drunken orgies. People get together so that they can get drunk and act like animals. Purpose. There's a reason I'm going to that party so I can act, I can get my inhibitions removed and act like an animal. Partying and drunkenness. Things like these and many others. Now, Paul says to crucify your deeds. We'll get to that a little bit later. Crucify your deeds. But but don't stop there because you won't be able to put those deeds to death as much as you seek to crucify them if you do not also deal with the root. You not just identify the problem you have, not just identifying this, this, this manifestation of your flesh. But you need also to understand the battle, the desires, the passions that drive the deeds. Are you tracking with me? Understand the the outcome. Identify the outcome. But then see the passions and the desires that drive the outcome. Um, Ephesians 4.22 is, I think, one of the most mm, undervalued, verses about about this struggle in, in the whole of scriptures. And it says the flesh is corrupt. Simple. It's very simple. The flesh is corrupt through deceitful desires. In In other words, we are dupes when we fall into sin. We have been deceived. We think that this is going to get something for us, do something for us. And so we act in all untoward ways. The flesh is corrupt through deceitful desires. The, the, sin promises freedom that, it, it, that is actually bondage. Sin promises freedom that is actually bondage. We can be so self-absorbed, we've got our tunnel vision, and we're, and we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to shine into this area of our life in order to, for us to choose in a wise and godly way. And, and in those moments, what we feel is what is real. What we, what we feel, I want this, I need that, I'm mad about that, I want whatever it is. That becomes the abiding and overriding sense of reality in our lives. And, what, and, our, and, and it feels stronger than the spirit. We're self-deceived. We expect our idols to do the trick for us. So one prayer that we have today is as we entertain the spirit, show me my corrosive passions and the desires. How about that one? Not just the deeds, not just the deeds, but show me the corrosive or toxic passions and desires that energize those deeds. Verse 24 says, you have crucified your flesh. You have, look at that, you have You have crucified your flesh. You did that at your conversion. It is called repentance. You said, I don't want this. I reject this as a form of life. What I want is the mercy and forgiveness of sins and a new direction in Christ. I I have, I have, you you have crucified your flesh. John Stott puts it this way. You do that at conversion. So now, if you're a Christian, you've been walking with the Lord for a while, uh, don't let sins or driving um, passions off the cross. <laughs> don't let them get down and play around and interfere with your life. You have crucified them. Do not pull out the nails and let them come down and mess up your life and the lives of people around you. You've got to crucify not only the acts but the sin beneath the sin. A couple of examples here: You do confess to the Lord sexual sins, but you also confess to the Lord your desire for for intimacy, which is a false intimacy. Every time you every time you are um, you are, are 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 lusting or some form of some form of sexual sin, it is. It is seeking a, a path, or it is fulfilling a path of, of false intimacy. It's not real. It's not real. It doesn't belong to you. It's not yours. With every indulgent thought, you are pulling a nail out of the cross. Matthew five, the passage we read earlier, is anything if, if it's it's crucifixion, if it's anything. Uh, cut off a limb. C- pluck out an eye. Metaphorically speaking, I suspect. Better to lose that limb or eye than to go and, and to go into heaven than to have them and go into hell. This is a crucifixion. Cut it out of your life. And do it with this beautiful promise Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They will now dimly later on with clarity. Religious idols. Uh, do you drink from the well of astrology? Are you seeking to find direction from from some kind of sign? Some kind of I'm cancer. So that means I'm supposed to what? I'm supposed to fall in love with this kind of person who's under that sign? I mean it's the, it's it's bizarre. But it also cuts out. Um, we need to repent to God because He is both sovereign and He is and He is jealous. He's jealous that you find your leadership from Him and not and not the stars. Relational sins. You won't conquer enmity and strife. You won't conquer that anger until you put to death that false, cruel king. In your heart, remember Bernard's prayer. There's another king that is, that is fighting for control. Don't give in to him. Say, no, the Lord is my king. What are the, what are the battles that we fight when we have these, these relational sins of enmity and strife and so forth? I think maybe the simplest is a sense of superiority. A sense of demanding to, to be right, to have it my way. And I'm not going to submit to anything. Sometimes sometimes Gail will do something absolutely innocuous. And there, I can just feel, just from time to time, just a, a little nudge of, I don't want her to be doing that. I wish she'd be doing this. And it's stupid. And it's inconsequential. But that little... Battle is there. Again, I suspect I might not be the only one in this crowd who feels that way from time to time. Instead of your drunkenness, instead of that buzz you get from drinking, entertain the spirit instead. Paul says this directly. Your buzz does uh, dull the pain of loneliness and suffering, and, and, and yet it is a false god. Don't get drunk with wine, Ephesians says, but be filled with the Spirit instead. You're understanding, you're identifying your battle, but you're also understanding what energizes it. And you put both, you put both to death. And you partner with the Holy Spirit in your battle. Thirdly, you you partner with the Spirit in your battle. And I want to flip over to to Jude uh, chapter, (laughs) only chapter, Jude uh, uh, verses 21 uh, verse, verse 20 and, and 21, and you might even turn with me to that passage if you are able to do that. Uh, Jude verses 20 and 21, and here's here's where we see a little bit of the um, a little bit of the um, the, the importance of grammar uh, in understanding a text. Uh, because the main verb uh, is found in verse 21, which which really says, "Keep yourselves in the love of God." That's the, that's what the that's what the text is about. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Main verb, keep yourselves. Keep yourselves. But then but then it is supported by a string of participles, and this helps you to, this helps you to understand how you keep yourself. And we see the first one in verse 20. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. The, the way you keep yourselves in the love of God is building up yourselves in the most holy faith. And that is actually, that's actually meant in the plural to say that this is a corporate activity that we build ourselves and others up. We're engaged in this act of building one another up. Uh, in our most holy faith. We entertain the Spirit together. We let the Spirit in them speak to ourselves. Um, Keep yourselves in the love of God by building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Be honest with yourself right now. Don't wiggle out of this one, please. What are your friends like? Do your friends help you to set your mind on the things above? Do they point you to Jesus? Do they point you to the spirit within and not just talk about the latest movie? Do your friends speak gospel truth to you? And do you speak gospel truth to them? Remember, you, you're keeping yourself in the love of God, and the first way you do it is by building yourselves up and others up in this most holy faith. Does anyone else know your battle versus the flesh? They can probably see it, but have you ever talked about it? Have you ever asked for help? Do you know theirs? Sibs again put it this way Godly friends are walking sermons. Having godly friends, it's like a sermon walking around next to you. It can be a good sermon, or it can be a bad one. Uh, build yourselves up then. Um, keep, your, keep yourselves in the love of God. Building yourselves up, and then also praying in the Spirit. Good, good friends um, acknowledge a real struggle. Good friends don't play around and think that life isn't serious and life doesn't have tr- challenges and troubles. Good friends acknowledge real struggle and so together you pray in the spirit for real solutions. Is there anyone that you have praying for you in your conflict against the works of the flesh? Is anybody anybody on your side? Is anybody with you praying for you and with you in the spirit? What you find is the spirit in your friend, uh, the spirit in your friend and through your friend meets you and carries you. And I've experienced this countless times in my life. Walk into a situation with some measure of sadness and not sure how I'm going to be able to handle it, not sure what what to do. You talk about it with a friend, a friend who loves you enough to pray with you and you pray in the spirit and you can walk out of there floating on air. You, you also um, keep yourselves in the love of God by waiting patiently for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you are waiting patiently, and you are looking for and noticing. Listen, this is beautiful. You're noticing small incremental changes in you and the people around you. You're noticing it. You're seeing it. You're, you're giving praise to God. You're not static. You're not immovable. The Spirit is on the move. As you entertain the Spirit, He is making you to love Jesus more, to be more more captivated by the beauty of holiness, and you move in that lovely direction. And finally, walk, uh, walk in the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. Um, we are to entertain the Spirit. Verse 16, walk by the Spirit. And this is an ordinary word for, for, for walking. It's ordinary walking, and it's often translated live. Just live by the Spirit. And then there is this great encouraging phrase in, in verse eighteen: if, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're not. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the condemnation and the failure of the law of, through the law. You're not doing. You're. You're. you're this is a different kind of, of 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 walking, of living. You are being led by the Spirit. And it's interesting that this word for led by the Spirit is also the word that is used elsewhere. It's a wind wind that blows a sailboat across the Chesapeake Bay. It's a wind that that moves a sailboat. It it gives power so that the ship uh, can slice through the waves and make progress to get to dinner. Now, the ship is absolutely passive. It's not doing a thing, but catching the wind. And without the wind, it would be dead in the water. And so it is, you are led by the Spirit. The Spirit gives life, and the flesh is of no avail. Did you see that at the top of the bulletin today? John 6.63, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing, the NIV says. However, you're not, you're not passive in this, are you? You're not passive, like that ship is. You're not passive. Uh, you're not saying, blow me along, spirit. Just do something. Change my life. Remove the struggle. Remove the conflict. It, it's not what, that's not what's going on here. We instead are, are yielding to his presence. We're, yield, first of all, yielding to his presence, This this means, first of all, that, that in your struggle, you know that you're not alone. The desires of the flesh are against, the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Sometimes you feel like you're all alone fighting those evil, what we sometimes call demons. You're fighting those evil impulses and you think you're alone and you think you're defeated and you can't do anything about it. The spirit is fighting against your flesh he is fighting for your life cheer up things aren't as bad as you think first thing then in this being blown along by the spirit you're not passive you're first yielding to his presence uh, his presence and, and then and then um to pray for the spirit to illumine your mind and enlarge your heart that's a phrase i've been using for a while now Pray for the Spirit to illumine your mind, lighten up your mind, help you, help you to understand things, but then also to enlarge your heart, a more capacious heart that grasps the beauty of who Jesus is. You pray for the Spirit to help you get out of the mundane muck and mud where you spend most of your time and actually walk in the, in the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit is forming in you holy desires if you would but listen and yield to Him and entertain Him. That is His job, to form in you holy desires. Yield to His presence. Pray for the Spirit to illumine your mind and to enlarge your heart. Thirdly, be alert to the quiet voice of conscience. Be alert to the quiet voice of conscience. You're going to be tempted, and what the first thing that is going to come to your heart is going to, is going to roll out your excuses and your defenses and why it's okay to sin. And there's going to be a quiet voice that you're going to hear. The minister of the Spirit, you're going to perceive that. You listen to him. you entertain him. You expect your flesh to want to silence him, but you listen to him. The spirit does finally. The spirit does the blowing, but you do the repenting. You do the repenting. Um, give, give, and you can and you can prepare for this right now. And this is a prayer to make, just an ongoing prayer. Give me a soft heart to hear your voice and to follow you in repentance. How about that for a prayer? Every morning, give me a soft heart to hear your voice and to follow you in repentance. And then you will be able, by the grace of God and the Spirit of God, to make those painful cuts that that hurt, but you're going to be ruthless because it hurts so good. Because what comes out of it is life. And then you will be able, verse 25, to walk in and by the Spirit. That's a different word for walk. Um, live by the Spirit, verse 25, let us also walk by the Spirit. And that is walking in the line of the Spirit. It is walking in His will and in His purposes. It's, 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 it's walking uh, the Spirit-filled, Spirit-entertaining life, satisfied in Him and glorifying Him. If we get this, this entertaining of the Spirit, wouldn't it change just about everything? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we uh, come into your presence, Holy Spirit. We come uh, to um, entertain you, uh, to take you in and ask you, Lord, to beautify uh, the Lord Jesus and give us courage uh, to walk in humility and in repentance and in the joy of forgiveness. And uh, we, we pray that you would use these words this morning, in so far as they are from the Spirit, uh, to give encouragement and life, and hope, and future. And we pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.